Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. Thank you, Dick Warren. That's the spirit of Dick Warren welcoming you each and every episode. My name is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach, here as always with the legend that is Alex Terranova, PCC. Hello, sir. A legend. You're the second person to call, to call me a legend this week. If one more person does it, it makes it true. And I'll start appearing <laughs> out of mirrors. When one, someone, someone you're dating or? Uh, I don't oh, know I wish. God, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> no, just somebody. I, I, I posted something online and somebody wrote, man, you're a legend. And I was like, I'll, this, wow. is a, this is a good Can start. You cannot believe what people say on the internet. <laughs> hey, I noticed that there's a difference. I'm I'm over here in my beautiful suit and tie and stuff, and you're wearing, oh, what is that? A V-neck t-shirt? A V-neck t-shirt. I thought you were going to say that you were sitting over there with no published books, and I'm sitting over here with two. Wow. I thought that's what you were going for. You can um, find Alex on thedreammason.com. <laughs> uh, he's also author of Fictional Authenticity, available wherever fine books are sold, as long as we're talking about Amazon. And uh, he's a contributor to a, the new book, Redefining masculinity. Uh, give us the Cliff's notes of your contribution to that. What what did you say about redefining masculinity? Did you say that uh, us of the old guard, I'm in my uh, late 50s, but I don't look it, and you're in your what, early 30s, but you you seem haggard? I want, I want to show you something that'll really stretch this. People can't see it because it's a podcast, right? But you can. Oh, I want you to can. see me in my, in my most special form. Um, are you wearing that, a G-string as a like three-year-old? What's happening there? What am I? Uh, my yeah, I was. I think I was two, and I was in a thong on the beach in Malibu. The only way to be on the beach in Malibu, apparently. I was ahead of my time. Um, this raises so many questions. <laughs> and I just don't feel like we can. We can. Um, I noticed that. I noticed that I'm. I'm forcing spring. Are you? Are you getting things over here? I like that you're forcing a change of subject. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I had to show you that because they, they asked us for a photo to put in the book that was like a photo of us as a child. And it's I just one don't of, want to lose the three listeners that are still with us. Um, well, you asked, them, you, asked about the, you asked about the book. And I, the reason I put that photo is because I think like that's the most, to me, that's the most raw, simple photo of like, as like, right. Like the first thing you noticed was like, oh, is that a G string or something? Yeah. And mm -hmm. as a child, Right. We're essentially born into the world naked and then we start putting on costumes. Right. You're wearing one right now. It's got a noose around your neck and a whole thing. And I have more of a loose outfit, more comfortable. Um, but we start taking on these identities. And I love that as a child, I was put in this thing. I didn't know the difference. I didn't know that I was wearing a thong as a little child. And I was just like living my life. And then we grow up and we take on all these identities. And I, that's what my that's what my contribution was, is I, the beginning as I explain all the identities that I think I've taken on as a man, a lot of them are in relationship to women. And then I, in the middle, actually, cause I, I've kind of free wrote this. Um, I wrote a poem, um, about like how it, how you, we feel, how I feel trapped in all of those boxes, um, of who I'm supposed to be as a man. And then the last part is like what I would like it to be, what I would like, what I would like to feel like and who I would like to be as a man. Um, and uh, 
Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, I thought, I, I, I don't know what I thought I wrote. I thought it was terrible. And then people have reached out to me and said, wow, like women have reached out and gone, you gave me really good insight into what it's like to be inside of a man's brain. This was really special. Um, so that's what it's about. Congratulations. Thanks. Once again, the dreammason.com. Um, uh, what do you want to talk about today before we get to our very esteemed, very extraordinary, very powerful guest? I think we should talk about, and I don't know if you're going to like this, but I shared with you yesterday. I mean, I, I can't, I feel like this is definitely impacting coaches and anyone with a heart or empathy, but like, um, you know, before we got on here, I was like, man, I got to get my shit together. Cause I'm really sad. I'm yeah. like sad about everything going on in the world. Um, and while it's not like landing on my lap, you know, like, like directly, um, going through having a coach going through coaching work um transforming myself has created space where like i have empathy and i have a heart and i feel like the pain of the world even if it's not right on my lap um and that's actually been i i shared it with you yesterday when we were talking and i don't know if you feel that way or how you deal with that but i know like for me this week has been really kind of crappy like it's been a really hard week to to be a human being Thanks for bringing that up. It was so odd to me that I led a training program this past weekend uh, on the East Coast, which is always fun for us West Coasters without the travel, right? It's like get up at 3 a.m. and start talking at 4. Um, What I was stunned by is that nobody brought up, you know, there's this horrific crime in England. There's the anti-Asian American and Pacific Islander uh, racist violence. And then there's the shooting. and which I guess was this week, but it's a lot. What I want to share with you is not something I'm proud of, but uh, about a misstep. So, you know, it's one thing, like you say, we're all going through it as individuals, but, you know, in dealing with our own thoughts and limited beliefs and like that, but I blew it as a, as a, an executive of a company as an owner of a company this week where one of my uh, last week, one of my people came to me and said, are we not going to make a statement about the anti Asian American violence? And I have no idea where my head was, but I completely missed that we needed to say something. Do you know what I mean? And I thought, what is going on? And I had to confront some of my own, you know, limitations, my own knuckleheadedness, my own coarseness in not feeling immediately like I needed to do something to be in solidarity with Asian American and Pacific Islanders. Like somehow we're just going to, I don't know what I was thinking, you know, some version of like, well, there's so many awful things that I don't know, we'll just let one go or something. And, and I was so embarrassed and so appalled at my own behavior. And, you know, we, we, repaired it as best we could, but what a, what a series of awakenings that was just in terms of what I'm willing to own and not own as a, as a professional and as a leader. Don't you hate when you, maybe you haven't had this experience when you blow it as a leader, you're just like, Oh, why? I mean, I think this is one of the, you know, I brought to my coach this week. um, Like it feels like I can't do enough or get it right. And there's no space because I go, you know, who am I to have problems, right? I'm a straight white male with money. I don't get to have problems because 
they're look at all the shit in the world. And we, you know, we both know my coach is a incredibly brilliant, strong, successful black man. And he said to me, he said, you know, when you say that you actually lower everyone else. And I went, what do you mean? And he goes, I know you're not saying that out of like, you're not doing that intentionally. You're, you're actually saying what you're saying from kindness and from empathy. But when you say like, who am I to have it? It like puts you like you're better. And I went, Oh my God, I didn't think like, thank you for seeing that. And he goes, and so not only do you victimize everyone else, right? But you also victimize yourself because you don't get to be human. Your problem, you don't get to have problems because, you know, whatever. And um, it was such an awakening of the lose-lose that I set up in situations like this, right? So something happens, which things are happening every day. And I'm like, I should be doing more. I'm not doing enough. What do I say? And it was like, wait, we are doing stuff. You lead a coach training program that tra that transforms human beings, that makes them more loving and more kind. Do you need to send out an email, you know, or make a statement? I don't know. Like, who am I to say what you need or don't need to do? Um, but I think we have that pressure of like, I need to do more. I need to say more. I need to make more of a difference. And um, I think that's part of, that's like more a part of it, that, that, that shoulding. I don't know if it helps you or me or the organization or anyone else. Thank you. I appreciate the the personal touch there. And I reserve the right to still beat myself up about it. <laughs> what I uh, what I want to do is I want to bring in our guest. She's just an extraordinary powerhouse of a human being and in a critical position uh, for all of us as coaches and as leaders. And um, I wonder if she has something to contribute. Uh, I was privileged to be apparently one of the first people to meet Carrie Abner when she when she came on to her uh, not current role, but her new role at the International Coach Federation. She holds a master's degree in international affairs from the George Washington University in Washington, DC. She's currently the vice president of ICF credentials and standards at the International Coach Federation. She's um, just got a real depth of experience, including working for the Council of State Governments and International Council for Voluntary Action. A delight to welcome you to our little program here. Carrie Abner, hello. Hello, and thank you so much for having me. It's it's a real delight to be here, and I, um, I appreciate the, the generous introduction and the chance to have this conversation. Appreciate, too, the conversation um, that you opened us up with. I think it's an important one, so thank you. Thank you. Um, I guess the first thing that we need to talk about, so ICF credentials and standards, what, what falls under that? What's in your bailiwick? Clearly the new ICF core competencies would be there, but also, I guess, PCC markers and how we credential coaches and what other things are under. That's your... right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's uh, you know, I'm so excited about um, the new ICF kind of structure. We've We've just come out uh, just a little over a year ago, we um, uh, established a brand new structure for the entire ICF now family of organizations with ICF credentials and standards being one of those families of organizations. And of course, you know, credentialing um, for ICF is not anything new. We've been credentialing um, professional, um, trained, knowledgeable coaches since I think about 1998. Um, but it is uh, new in terms of the, the way that we're doing it and the structure and the organization. So ICF credentials and standards, we have the um, awesome privilege and honor um, to be able to support 
every credentialing candidate and credential holder um, of the ICF. So we do a lot of work to support um, the review, the regular review and updating of the ICF core competencies. Of course, we came out with um, updated core competencies at the end of 2019 that we're working very hard um, with. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about um, in our conversation today, but we also support and serve um, every single credential holder um, and every candidate who is seeking an ICF credential. Um, we also, um, in addition to that, we're, we're looking to help um, coaches who are developing their skills and in specialized disciplines of coaching um, as well. And so um, just in November of 2020, we came out with the ICF team coaching competencies, which was um, adopted by the ICF uh, Credentials and Standards Board and, and published. And so that's something that's also part of our um, kind of our purview as, as um, a new organization specialized and focused on credentials and standards. Carrie, I'm curious, because um, since we jumped right into credentials and team credentials and all these exciting things, people, um, people that are, you know, MCCs, PCCs, trained by ICF accredited organizations, I think get a lot of, um, let's say, understand the importance of why you would want to be credentialed. Mm -hmm. um, I find, and I don't know how much you're seeing this, that like I get approached by a lot of people that, you know, just out in the world that are like, I want to be a coach. Why do I need to get credentialed? Why do I need to do these things? Like what's in it for me? Because I can just kind of start a business. Right. Um, I'd love to hear your take on that. Yeah, that's a big question. It's an important question. Um, so, you know, coaching is one of those unregulated professions, right? Um, here in the States, um, in every single, you know, uh, uh, 50, uh, one of the 50 states, but also really globally, um, there's uh, not a centrally uh, legally uh, regulated uh, regulation for, for coaching. Anybody can set up shop and put a, start, uh, a yard out, a sign out in their yard and call themselves a coach the next day without any kind of training or skill development or um, mentor coaching or anything like that. And, um, you know, we see the value of the credential to be that differentiator for coaches who take the time and care about the profession and want to do the profession uh, justice by going through training to know that they have the knowledge and skills um, to do the job effectively. Those who invest them in themselves to complete that training, um, to engage in mentor coaching, to really work on their um, ability to demonstrate and manifest the core competencies in their coaching practice. Those who have um, demonstrated that with with experience, right? Those who have worked with um, clients, um, which is um, you know a, a, an experience of skill development in and of itself, um, and and of course by independent assessment to be um, assessed by an independent third party organization, that being ICF credentials and standards based on a universally accepted set of standards, the core competencies, to say that, yes, I, I can tell my clients that I have been independently verified and validated by this organization, um, that I understand, um, I know, and I can demonstrate these core competencies in my coaching practice. Um, that's pretty powerful. And 
something that we have seen, um, you know, it's it's been an interesting year because we've seen such a huge influx of individuals coming to ICF credentials and standards just in the last year alone. And I think some of that is because of the economic uncertainty um, created by, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic and 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 the economic hardship that has occurred since then people understand that to to distinguish themselves and to become distinct to potential clients it is such a value to have that credential to show that they um they're well equipped to do the job and to do it effectively i think that's uh you know great important noble work here's here's how old i am i remember when it wasn't clear who would be the dominant credentialer in the field right emcc or icf or coachville used to offer a credential too back in the late 90s before Alex was even uh, professional. Um, yeah, I wasn't professional, I was alive. <laughs> you were wearing phones on the beach. I was, I was very alive. My, uh, my, I, wanna, I wanna go back a step and Carrie, forgive me if this puts you in an awkward position, but uh, one of the things we're just talking about is how important cultural sensitivity is and you, you referenced it. The ICF is truly global, right? And more so year after year, thankfully, because it used to be international, like our World Series is world, right? It was it was North America centric. But um, but great strides have been taken in that with the International Coach Federation. One of the things we struggle with as my company, which is based in San Diego, California, a bastion of liberalness, or at least some, uh, is educating, informing, and training our staffs so as to be more culturally competent in dealing with just the, the people that we encounter and want to encounter and want to include and want to open coaching up to. Uh, I can't imagine how much of that must be happening at the International Coach Federation, or at least I hope is happening there. In other words, we've got an organization that is based in Kentucky, not known, I mean, the place that brought us Mitch McConnell and, and Rand Paul, uh, not known for its, um, you know, kind of known for its conservatism. And from there, we're emanating literally a global and trying to manage a global organization with lots of cultures and lots of different sensitivities around the world. Are, is there training for that? Is there, are, are you sort of learning on the street? How's it going in terms of cultural competence, I guess? Yeah, well, it is. It's, it's a big conversation at ICF, as it is in lots of places. But one of the things I would say is like um, we are based in and headquartered in um, Kentucky, but we are we are truly a global community. We have staff all over the world. Um, we engage in these conversations. They're important to us as individuals. They're important to us as a team. Um, but more importantly, I think they're important to the profession of coaches. And I think these conversations, while really, I mean, they're extremely timely and it's important that, that we're having them consistently and on an ongoing um, basis. And, and one of the things that um, I, 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 one of the things I'd pull in here is that it's a constant learning journey. It's an ongoing learning journey, right? It's not something that, you know, we spend some time on and, okay, we're good, right? It is something that we need to continually struggle with and, and challenge and open ourselves up to um, to questions and really kind of stretching and growing. Um, but it's also something that I think the coaching community has 
um, has been having an ongoing conversation about for forever, right? I mean, as a foundational kind of core basis of of coaching, it's it's about um, partnering with the whole person of the client, right? And we know that the whole person of the client isn't just the problem that they're dealing with in their job situation, right? It's it's about every aspect of that individual. It's about every aspect of the the coach and how those dynamics come together. Um, you know, one of the things that you're absolutely right, Christopher, in that I think this conversation is 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 growing and becoming even bigger as the ICF grows. Um, I was doing I was pulling some numbers a little bit earlier um, just to to kind of mark kind of that growth um, in 2000, which was right after ICF started credentialing um, coaches and right after the core competencies were first published. Um, ICF had all of drumroll please 3200 members almost all of them were in north america so i think we were the international coach federation because of a few members in you know over the border in in canada but we were <laughs> truly we were mainly a north american organization in 2008 when we did our last what we call a job analysis which is kind of a, a big study where we um, ask coaches all over um, the world what it is that's important to their work um, we had 13,600 members and just over 3,200 credential holders in 84 countries. So we'd had experienced quite a bit of growth in those eight years. Um, but 62% of those were still in North America. If you fast forward to 2019, when we um, undertook and, and completed our, our most recent job analysis, which resulted in the updated core competencies, um, we had 30,000 members at the time, about 25,000 credential holders in 143 countries, with less than half of those being in North America. I, I think that's really important and powerful. Um, and I think it speaks to why we're able to engage in these conversations at an even deeper level, because we have new voices at the table, and those new voices are so important. Um, and and that's been one of the biggest um Kind of areas of, of of excitement and fuel for me in this in this work that we have undertaken over the last couple of years because we have had these voices and because of that it's explicitly reflected in the updated core competencies the notion of identity and culture and context which i would argue have always been a part of coaching but have not been explicitly articulated in the core competencies and i to, if you're asking me, that's one of the most important new elements of, of, of what we're able to, to deliver. And it's truly a reflection of the coaching community. So we have conversations at ICF headquarters, but those conversations are very much informed, influenced, and, and connected to larger conversations that we have with the entire global community. And it makes for um, rich, ongoing learning and growth, right? I want to um, I want to ask how this applies to coaches who have been working for a while or even, you know, someone like me who got my PCC and then I haven't looked at a core competency since. Um, and I know that there's I know I'm not alone in that. Right. I, I know that there's plenty of coaches that are not don't have their core competencies sitting in front of them, new or old. Um, and there's probably coaches that have been MCCs and PCCs for years. And are doing great coaching, but they're not 
that's not part of, you know, that's not in the space directly. Um, why would somebody like me or these coaches want to come back to learn the new core competencies? Like what's in it for them? What's in it for their clients? Hmm. Great question, Alex. Um, you know, one of the things that I would say, there are a couple of different levels that I would answer that question. One of that, uh, one of the, the most kind of basic or fundamental surface level answers to that is, you know, as coaches like yourself, um, after they earn their, their credential, you know, we encourage and want them to renew that credential. And as part of that renewal process, there's, there's continuing education that's required, right? And, and that's really intentional, right? Because ICF has a firm commitment to ongoing learning and growth for the entire profession. So part of that is engaging in um, kind of keeping up with, with, with the profession, keeping up with um, what um, what is considered core or central to the profession and, and new areas um, for growth. So I think part of that is a, just a very basic fundamental kind of um, almost transactional type of uh, response is, you know, as coaches um, renew their credential, some of that is just learning um, what's happening, um, what has happened in the last three years in the profession. But I think at a deeper level, um, I think that's one, one, I think it's so central to who coaches are, right? I mean, coaches um, are, are at their very kind of fundamental state, they're working and partnering with their clients to engage that curiosity, to engage that learning and growth in their, in their clients. And I, I think that that's a, a curiosity and a desire to learn and grow um, in themselves as well. I think that's central to, to who coaches are, is um, are, are individuals who, who want to continue learning, who want to continue growing. And we actually heard that too. That was another important um, theme that we heard in um, the research that we undertook to review the, the ICF core competencies, that professional learning and growth was fundamental to who coaches are. And so that too, in addition to the, the concept of um, client uh, culture, context, and identity, um, that commitment to ongoing learning and growth and what we call reflective practice has also been explicitly added to the ICF core competencies. And it's an important new element there. One of the things that, so I, unlike Alex uh, and the people he's speaking about, I deal with core competencies on a daily basis, being the purveyor of coach training organization, right? Um, when, you know, some of the core competency changes seem to make immediate sense, and I was immediately in favor of, like, 9, 10, and 11 have always been very, very similar. So putting those together as one or, or breaking them up differently was very, very uh, favorable from my perspective. The thing that I heard in our trainings about it was so impactful, had nothing to do with the core competencies, but more like how we address or how we evaluate core competency. In other words, we, you know, it used to be almost a, uh, I dare you to get this, you know, this level. And now there's a very different approach. Can you speak to that and, and what the approach is generally to providing, um, credentialing and meeting the standards? Is it clear what I'm asking? Hmm. 
Well, I can, I can say more. The, yeah. What I was told was that as evaluators of coaching, we should change our uh, point of view, which used to be, did they get there to in what ways are they exhibiting this competency? Oh, and yeah. so it becomes a much more favorable, much more positive uh, way to look at it, but also to, to give feedback. Yeah. So, so we're really talking about in the performance assessment um, process and, and that is very much um, kind of part of our, our process um, at the ICF and performance assessment um, in some cases happens within training programs. Um, in other cases, it happens at the ICF, but um, that is very much the approach um, is to identify through evidence, right? In a recording, in a coach's uh, recording, ways that they are demonstrating uh, the core competencies at whatever level of, of credentialing um, they're applying for, which is, it is all about development and it's all about um, um, uh, recognizing the skills that a coach brings to, um, to their coaching and recognizing the skills rather than um, starting from the premise of, you know, uh, this individual, you know, has to prove themselves, right? Um, so I do think that that's a, a, a really nice approach. And that's an approach that we've really kind of um, instituted in our process. Um, I'd say the first real step in that direction was with the introduction of the PCC markers back in 2014. That was a huge step in that direction to say, you know, here are ways that um, individuals can demonstrate the core competencies at the PCC level of, of coaching. And it's an assessment tool, but it also has um, a lot of value to others within um, others beyond assessors, right? It has value to coaches. It has values uh, to, to mentor coaches um, to help um, help coaches kind of grow toward that demonstration of, of core competency. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. I have a, a follow-up that's also a behind the scenes. Now, Carrie, I know that you are used to talking to a lot of people and sort of, you know, presenting what the ICF has, but I just have a behind the scenes question for you. Okay. What it seemed like for those of us out here was that 
the ICF was doing kind of a, a something that many organizations have dealt with, which is kind of a left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing because we got trained on these PCC markers in the old core competencies. And just about the time we got trained, you know, the majority of whatever the coaching providers got trained, they changed the core competency. And nobody has ever, at least to my knowledge, at the ICF acknowledged, oops, you know, or, or taken advantage of sharing the learning of having an organization that sometimes has two initiatives that, as many of our organizations do, yeah. you know, kind of uh, uh, collide. Yeah. Will, will, you, will you let us know what it was like behind the scenes there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, really, I mean, it's it's all about we just like to keep everybody on their toes. Right. We just really want to uh, know, you know, right. as right. we entered into as we entered into um, the the job analysis, which we started, at, I guess, in 2017, right about the same time that we were really ramping up the PCC marker training, trying to scale that up to help um uh, train even more assessors across the, the global community, we entered into that job analysis totally open um, to what the findings might, might reveal. We never, ever um, updated the core competencies based on a job analysis before because, you know, the results that we got um, very much validated um, the original core competency. So there wasn't a need for update. Um, what happened is that we were just really true to the research. And while the research did indicate that overall, the original core competencies were very much alive and well and thriving in coaching practice, that there were a few um, elements that needed to be articulated that weren't. Um, so those additions were made. There was also some um, some uh, outcomes of that research that indicated, you know, both through subject matter experts and and survey results. We did this big, huge survey across the world that said, you know, sometimes the core competencies don't translate well across languages um, because of the use of like idioms that are very much American, Americanized English idioms, right? Um, so let's think about if we want to serve a global community of coaches, let's think about the language that we use so that um, the, the meaning translates well across languages. So there was a real intention about um, carefully thoughtfully um, articulating the core competencies in a way that would maintain meaning across languages and across communities and even really across um, uh, communities that speak the same language. Um, uh, we, we got a lot of feedback from um, our Australian coaches in our community that said, trust and intimacy doesn't translate very well here. We need to think about that. And so, um, and so we did. So, Really, what I, I dated someone from Australia for a while, and that's true. <laughs> so we did it, but we were really open to the research where the research led us, and and that's something that we're always committed to is making sure that whatever we do is evidence based. It's not just something that we pluck from thin air and kind of put it out to the world of coaches. We always want to be evidence and research based. And so, yes, it did cause some uh, some you know. Um, probably some challenge and frustration uh, for those who had just been trained in the updated or in the PCC markers. And now we've got some updates. So it's a transition, but I think it's a reflection really of the, um, the evolution, um, the organicness of the coaching profession that we are, we are a, not a static profession or a static discipline at all. 
we are um, we're growing, we're we're breathing, um, we're fluid, and we're um, we're really committed to kind of transitioning with the profession as it grows and emerges and evolves over time. So um, we'll make it a lot easier um, as you uh, take on the updated PCC markers, though. <laughs> I'm imagining the the ICF's process replayed through an SNL perspective, which is like asking 20 of your friends where they each want to go to dinner and you don't get to go anywhere for dinner, right? Because everybody has a different. So, um, so I can't imagine what it was like to, you know, you said how many countries, I don't remember what it was, but I feel like it was like 30 or at least 30, if not a lot more. Um, and all those different languages and all the different ways in which people relate to each other in each place. Christopher just messaged me 143 countries. Um, so 30 would have been difficult on its own, but 143. And like, how is it? I don't even expect you to answer this, like, but the, the, the task that the ICF takes on taking 143 essentially perspectives mm -hmm. into consideration. Yeah, and it's even, Alex, thank you for acknowledging that. It's a real challenge, but it's one that um, to me is really exciting because there's so much opportunity for learning there. I come from, as, as Christopher mentioned in the intro, I come from the international arena. I did a lot of work in my early career in international development and humanitarian work and my, my, my educations in international affairs. Um, so that's something that that really fuels me to, because it's, it's always like, it's always learning every day is learning, um, uh, from the, the richness and the vastness of the different perspectives that ICF brings together in, in a, in a global community. Um, it's really challenging. Um, but it's a challenge that I really love, but it's even, if you want to, um, kind of take that it's, it's exponentially more challenging because what we are also committed to is not just including the perspectives from all of those different cultural and kind of language backgrounds, et cetera, but we want to provide uh, competencies that support individual coach practitioners, regardless of the discipline, the context that they're coaching in, their coaching philosophy, the coaching style or the training program. What we want to provide is our core competencies that are truly core, right? That unite the entire global coaching profession, not just, you know, someone who comes from this training background or that training background or an ontological approach or, a, you know, a systems coaching approach, right? We want to provide competencies that support and serve as the foundation and basis for coach practice across all of those different um, categories and, and backgrounds and cultures and languages. So it's, it's, it's a big feat, but it's, it's an exciting piece of work. And, and I'm also glad that we were able to do that. <laughs> What and then and then you all brought in the team competencies also, right? You didn't just yeah. like one of these would have been enough of a of a of a task at hand. Why did we need separate competencies for teams? Oh, I love this question. Um, so, why do we need separate competencies for teams? There's a great, um, there's a number of uh, uh, responses to that. First of all, you know, I would say that team coaching is one of the fastest growing disciplines of coaching. Team coaching is also incredibly complex in terms of just the uh, dynamics of the, the, the coaching relationship and the engagements, um, uh, just the complexity of teams themselves, right? Um, and 
you know, we wanted to really provide, given that that area of coaching is growing so quickly, um, there had been no universally accepted definition of team coaching before we um, started this work. There really wasn't a, a universally um, uh, accepted set of standards for team coaching. And yet um, team coaching is is going gangbusters and organizations are looking for individual coaches who can coach teams. And we know that the complexity of team coaching is so high. So we thought, let's do this. Let's let's see what we can learn from team coaches who have been engaged in this work. So we did a, the same type of job analysis or research with team coaches that we did with general coach practitioners, you know, um, in from 2017 to 2019, we started uh, research with team coaches in 2018. And um, through about 18 months of work and research and analysis, we were able to develop the team coaching competencies. And what I love about the team coaching competencies is they build on this, this notion that the core competencies are truly that, they're core competencies, they're relevant and um they're relevant in team coaching, but they're also relevant in individual coaching. They're relevant in, you know, group coaching. They're relevant in organizational context coaching. They're relevant in all different kind of contexts and spaces. And um, and there are additional key knowledge, skills, and tasks that are truly unique and special for team coaches um, and that team coaches need to, to be aware of and to use as guidance in, in their practice. And so that's what we um, identified as, a, um, as an additional kind of supplemental piece to build on the core competencies that integrate with the core competencies to provide team coaches with a full suite of, of, of resources and guidance um, to support their work, um, effectively coaching teams. Can you give us a little, like when I hear team coaching, the first thing I think of is like, oh, they're just, it's group coaching, but I'm, yeah. and I'm like, there's a difference, but what is the difference? What's team versus group? Are they, how are they the same and how are they different? That's an awesome question. So with group coaching, you are, are a coach is coaching a group that may have something that they share in common. But in a team coaching context, a, a coach is, is, coaching a team that has a unified goal, right? So in a group context, a, a group of individuals may come together around a certain theme or concept, something that they all have in common, but they are all kind of, they all have their own sets of unique goals, objectives, where they want to grow, where they want to go, you know, and, and the coach coaches all of them um, together, but coaches all of them. In a team coaching context, that team is the client. There is one client and it is the team. And the team is comprised of individual um, individual staff members, individuals, just individuals, right? But, but they are all working together toward a, a, a common goal or objective. And that's, that's complex. That's complex work. Yeah. I, I, it's so important. I think it's a really great distinction. Thanks, Alex, for for bringing it up because what in a group where maybe you say, okay, all the left-handed basket weavers, you know, are coming to my group coaching, right? They don't know each other necessarily, or some of them do and some don't. And so there's a different dynamic where the coach is sort of getting to know them at the same time. But in a team, there's already existing hierarchies and they've worked out their power dynamics and who's submarines, who, and all whom, I don't know. I'll, I'll conjugate that later. But the, um, the 
danger is so much higher to the coach because essentially the coach is fresh meat in an existing group who's already worked out all their stuff, right? So there's a whole, a whole uh, politesse, I imagine, to learn to walk in there and not, you know, get your self handed to you. <laughs> get your absolutely weight damage. Um, is there a, is there a uh, how are you inviting people to get trained in team coaching distinct from any other type of coaching? Are there places that do just that? Are there Absolutely. There are training programs um, that provide team coaching training. And, you know, one of the things is ICF is not a training provider. There are a wonderful, that's a, there's a wonderful network of training providers out there globally. And there are team coaching training um, programs, um, just as there are um, individual, you know, um, coaching training programs. Um, and in fact, there are already team coaching training programs that are ICF accredited um, as providers. So um, they're already out there in existence. Uh, my sense is as that area of, of practice grows, uh, we'll see even more team coaching training programs um, emerge as well. Um, what do you think, like what's next? I, actually, let me, I wanna change even the, the what's next. Um, when do you, and is it even a priority for coaching to move into a space where like we have to be credentialed? Where is that, mm -hmm. the, that where there aren't people in the field that are just, you know, hanging up a shingle, whether they're team coaching, group coaching, individual coaching. Um, is that a goal? Do we think we're headed there? Um, is it irrelevant? So it's, it's a great question. I think, you know, ICF um, as a community has remained really committed to, to maintaining us a, a um, self-regulation, um, to serve as a self-regulating community for the coaching profession. Um, because we have a high quality, rigorous, robust, research-based credentialing process that takes the place of any kind of governmental licensure or something like that, where um, a more regulated field of practice. So I think ICF is very much committed to maintaining um, kind of its self-regulating um, kind of role in the coaching um, profession and in through its um, independent voluntary certification program. But my hope is like my vision would be, and, and my hope is that um, as the coaching profession grows and becomes more recognized by, by clients, that clients will um, recognize the importance of working with an individual who has demonstrated that they are well-equipped to do that job, um, to do that work um, through credentialing and certification. I think that to me is um, the end goal is, is really to educate the consumer of coaches, um, of coaching, um, the importance of working with a, a verified, validated coach. Let's all cross our fingers for that since we hold our credentials, right, Alex? That's right. Um, I... I I would not like myself very much if I didn't ask you this question. Carrie Abner, you are overseeing all of the credentialing of all the coaches. What are the, the mistakes that coaches are making most often when they are submitting and not getting credentialed? In other mm. words, if you, could, if you could wave your magic wand and give coaches two or three things, or maybe it's just one, uh, to focus on as they intend to get their credential or their next level credential, what would you have us focus on? Great question. So for this, I might go back to the updated core competencies because I think there are nuggets of truth in the updated core competencies that can help 
serve and support individuals who are using the core competencies and integrating the core competencies in a larger pursuit of a credential. And one of one of that, if, if you look at the updated core competencies, competencies one and two are on um, demonstrates ethical practice and embodies a coaching mindset. And embodies a coaching mindset includes a number of things, but it's that ongoing professional development and growth and learning and curiosity, um, integrating kind of um, understanding of the client's and um, identity, culture, and context. It's about reflective practice. It's about that internal growth that a coach really needs to continue maintaining each and every day of their coaching journey. Um, and so that's where I would kind of uh, point individuals who are interested in credentialing to, to think about and to look at is, you know, um, uh, competencies three through eight by, by um, comparison are really about the doing of coaching. So that really important tasks of doing coaching, maintaining presence and, and um, cultivating trust and safety and um, evoking awareness and facilitating client um, growth and active listening, of course. Um, I think sometimes coaches focus so much on the doing of coaching that they might forget about the being part of coaching. And so maybe to take a step back and um, there is a there is an interesting uh, book cover that I saw yesterday. I'm trying to think what it was. Um, may I use somewhat obscene language on your podcast? <laughs> Would you please? I would. Okay. I would pay extra for that. So the the title of the this book was "How to Get Shit Done." <laughs> Stop uh, doing. You may not use bad language. But, um, <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. I wouldn't trust you if you didn't. <laughs> Stop doing everything in order to achieve anything, right? And so that is kind of one thing that really stuck with me, and I think that gets to. Um, uh, the heart of what we're talking about, um, not focusing so much, so much on the doing of coaching, um, because then it becomes almost like a checklist of tasks, right? But really kind of stepping back and stopping and focus on the being of it um, as part of that, that journey um, that I think really opens people up, both clients and coaches, to that true transformation that we're all seeking, right? I love that. And if you don't mind, I'm going to dovetail on there, but uh, I know our time is is fleeting here. Uh, I, I did a talk last year for the European mentor, sorry, mentor and coaches conference. And uh, what I talked about was all the things that are not like coaching presence, which is what it used to be called. And now it's coaching mindset, which in, is a broader category. You know, what I, what I said was it's mostly defined by what it's not. And we looked at all the ways that we are as coaches that is not the coaching mindset, right? So it's like cheerleader, not a coaching mindset, teacher, not a coaching mindset, nurturing grandparent, not a coaching mindset. You know what I mean? We went through all of them and started having some fun busting ourselves on what we do that's not really coaching. You know, that mm. the empathetic, oh, you know, isn't it awful? Well, right. Still not a coaching mindset. So I, I appreciate so much your answer for that. Yeah. Um, what do we got, Alex? We got maybe one, maybe two more questions in our time frame. What do you got this? Um, I think that, I mean, look, this is for me. And I, and um, has anything for, for coaches that are, you know, let's say at like the PCC level or even at the ACC level that are working that have a vision of becoming an MCC, 
Mm-hmm. What's the, is there, is there something new that I think, uh, I don't know how to say this, to say this the way I want to say it, but it's almost like the way I saw the MCC process before was like very ambiguous and like, it was like an abyss mm-hmm. and it was just like you, and it didn't, I didn't, I had heard MCC calls. They didn't really make like, why is this better than, you know, it didn't really make sense. What's changed in that process? What do coaches at like this level that are really determined to get, get to that next level? What do they need to know? Yeah. Um, good question. And so I think some of what we just talked about is the kind of the stepping back and kind of, um, not focusing solely on the doing of coaching and kind of in, um, tapping into that, that being part is a, is a big piece of that. Um, and I know that seems maybe a little bit ambiguous, um, as well. There's a great resource that if I can do a shout out to two of my colleagues, there's a great resource that kind of captures this, this journey for coaches, um, it's called a professional development study, the lifelong journey of coaches. It was published in the, I think it was the international journal of coaching psychology. That might be wrong, but by my colleagues, Alicia Hellinger and uh, Joel DiGirolamo a couple of years ago. And it talks about this process of, of learning and growth for, for coaches um, that that is a truly a journey where um, coaches who are just getting started in their practice, they are really learning the nuts and bolts of coaching. So they are learning and trying to practice the very technical skills of coaching. And because of that, it can feel somewhat robotic um, as they continue on in that journey through practice, through training, through reflective practice, through engagement with um, mentor coaches or coaching supervisors. Um, that becomes a lot more fluid. And it's that fluidity that opens the space for artistry and coaching. Um, Christopher can probably speak way better um, about this than than I can, but I think it's that journey and it just takes that winding path to get there, right? There's no, there's no, um, um, there's no workaround, there's no detour, there's no fast track to, to um, really getting to that source of fluidity and being. Um. I love that you said that. I love, love, love that you said that because you're exactly right. Everybody, especially these young, handsome dudes like Alex are trying to get there faster. And I, I love that. And that there's some evidence for that. It's, it resonates for me so, so thoroughly. Um. I'm sad because the real question I wanted to ask you, and we're going to run out of time, so you don't have time to answer it, is uh, I wanted to address Magda Mook's leadership, because as somebody who studies and works with leaders, you know, there's been a, uh, I teased the other day on a panel I was on where I said it's Magda Mook's world and we just live in it. But, um, you know, there's, there's certainly a clear vision that she created for the ICF and then fulfilled on and worked very hard for so I'm just noting that I'm sad that I don't get to ask you that, and maybe we can have coffee sometime. Uh, I do want to give you the last word here, about 30 seconds left. What would you have a few thousand coaches know today? What would you have us, what would you leave us with? Mm, great question. Um, you know, we're all in this together. You know, just, I think, well, two things that I would, I would say. I think um, one of the things that, that coaches who are on the credentialing journey in particular note is that it's hard. It is a hard process. It's robust. There's a lot of rigor involved in it. Um, 
So one of the things I would say is that just as ICF holds its credential candidates to high, robust standards, we also hold ourselves to those same high, robust standards in terms of the way that we um, develop, design, um, execute, and support the credentialing process. So we have really um, high standards for the certification process and we align to high standards um, that are recognized on the global level for certification bodies like the ICF. So we're in that too, we're, we're, we're partners in that robustness. We think it's an important, um, an important thing, um, but it is a constant ongoing journey. There's no start or stop. It is every single day, every step of the way, uh, we are, we are, uh, learning and, and coaches are learning. And, um, and that's really important because there's no, Hmm. How do I want to articulate? There's, um, there is no finish line, right? I mean, that it, it, it should be an ongoing journey of, of learning for coaches. Um, there's no perfect coach. It's really a lot. Really <laughs> except resonant. for you, Alex, except for you. <laughs> oh, no. Don't feed that beast. Uh, thank you so much. That's a beautiful and very resonant message and exactly my experience, why it's still interesting 27 years later. Um, thank you very much for the work that you do. Thank you for your authentic, you know, thoughtful communication style and all the hard work that you do. And thank you so much for being with us today. If you need to run, I understand we're right at time. Um, but I want to just give you my gratitude. Oh my gosh. Thank you. It's been such an honor to be here. I really appreciate it. And thank you for the work that you're doing. It's, it's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Alex, we learned a lot today, huh? And I got a sound clip that says I am the perfect coach from, you know, a, a big shot. So this is going to be good. You go to my website, it's going to, you're going to hear that now. <laughs> Attach that with your MCC application, Alex. There you go. Yep. <laughs> this, Alex, is not the coaching mindset we were talking about. I'll, I'll uh, get into more detail with you. That, of course, is Alex Terranova. You can find out more by going to thedreammason.com, thedreammason.com. Of course, you can find out all you need to find out about the International Coach Federation, including credentials and standards, including how to sort of up-level your coaching, and, of course, the new ICF core competencies, as well as the new ICF team coaching competencies by going to coach federation.org. My name is Christopher McCulloch. We want to shout out to our longtime sponsor of this program, Accomplishment Coaching. If you're looking for the finest coach training program in the world, check out Accomplishment Coaching at accomplishmentcoaching.com. Anything else for you, Mr. Terranova? Nope. This was great. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for always letting me be here. Thanks for letting me be myself, Christopher, and not trying to, you know, make me be just like you. It's a pleasure. Would, can you imagine how boring it would be if, if it were only me here? I mean, I, th I think I think it's a great lesson that everyone needs to that everyone in their own way has to learn is like we can I can learn from you and I don't need to be like you. Right. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Thank you again, Carrie, and all of you, dear listeners, for being with us today. Each week, bringing your people out on the cutting edge of coaching, things you need to know, and people who are just darn interesting right here on accomplishmentmedia.com or wherever you get your podcast. I thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next week. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.